Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host Finn Speed. Usually at this point I would say once again and always we are joined by, but Matt, it's the uh, only the second podcast you've done. Welcome back my friend. Um, if for those who didn't catch the podcast the other week, would you like to uh, introduce yourself to the social work world? Yes, yeah, so I'm Matt McBee, uh, right for Social Work News, uh, obviously worked with you for quite a while Vince and it's lovely to be back again. Someone asked to. <laughs> And it's nice to be back again to uh, obviously get all festive and talk about all things Christmas. Yes, happy Christmas, my friend. Um, for those who didn't catch the uh, the show the other week with me and Matt, me and Matt have known each other for, God, eight years. We used to write for a, another magazine whose name we shall not mention here. We ended up meeting up that way and you you helped me out with a book. You came to my book launch. You did yeah. a lot of the chapters for it and uh, we've been... Good friends ever since. Yeah, my writing career has always been just following you around since then, really. So whatever you do, I just come along and write along with you, really. Uh, it used to be the other way once, though, you know. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's, um, yeah, and now you're doing podcasts, so I've come along to do... Yeah. Basically, wherever you go, I'm just going to come along and do the same thing. It's my career plan. <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that one. <laughs> it's a foolish one, but good luck. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, you will be listening to this. Uh, by the time this is recording, going out, it will be the Friday before Christmas. So happy Christmas to one and all. Um, what are you looking forward to this Christmas most, my friend? What's Christmas like in, uh, in House B? Well... So I guess the thing I'm most looking forward to yeah, yeah. is, well, there's two things. One yeah. is dependent on my four-year-old daughter, whether she, you know how you plan things and in your yeah, head yeah, you're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. this will be amazing. Yeah. She's going to love her. Yeah. Um, last year we took her to a Christmas show and, uh, you know, a big theatre and Father Christmas is there and all the songs and dancing. Mm-hmm. And we had her and we had our one-year-old. And basically, we went in, and within about 10 seconds, she was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not interested. <laughs> protest. I don't know what it was. She just was overwhelmed by it. Yeah. So we spent the um, best part of an hour. I ended up in the foyer outside with her, running around the carpet while my partner and our other daughter was in there. It sounds like more fun than the Christmas show. You've given her a better option. Not really. I mean, it was, it was, there was like a notice board and it was, I can't remember again, things, she was taking these off the notice board and running off and I was trying to get them off, off her again without getting into trouble with the theatre staff. Again, for, sounds for, like more fun than the Christmas show. Not, You've well, made I, it more exciting for your daughter. The worst thing is I could hear the Christmas show and it <laughs> sounded brilliant and I really wanted to go in. <laughs> and it's, this is what happens when you have kids is you get invested in what yeah. they're, like I get into Peppa Pig episodes and I want to know what happens at the end, but mm-hmm. my daughter wanders off. And I'm then torn between child safety and finding out what happens to Daddy Pig. How do you how do you live how do you live with that anxiety hanging over that unfulfilled quench for the closure? Put it on pause. Pause. Go get the child. Go back. Watch the end. Mm. So, but anyway, yes, they, we're going to hope this year do the same thing, yeah. and hopefully this year she's going to be a bit more chilled. And mm. and, and I don't know why we we take some great things and she just goes. You know, I'm going to go a bit off topic, but we did the Sea Life Centre, massively into sharks. Yeah. Took her along, didn't want to see them at all. Yeah. Just wanted to go play in the park. So hopefully, though, if, if she's playing ball, we'll have a really nice time going to see Father Christmas. How many, how many Christmases, how many Father Christmases are you, will you have totaled up by the time that Christmas Day comes around? Do you just, just stick to the one or do you see numerous? One. Just the one. It's a one shot. That's it. You get one go at this in our house. So, uh, yeah, that's it. 
Um, My kids get to see about three or four. We get to see a few and it's confusing for them. Well, that's the problem. Do you not have questions? They do have questions. And what we have to say, we, all, we almost have to say that these are emissaries of the actual Father Christmas. <laughs> Essentially, they've been anointed um, as these emissaries there, you know, these messages on earth, I suppose. But think, Like I'm, a priest. But I'm, I'm in a bit of a dilemma. I've got very young kids. The one's yeah. four, one, one. Yeah. And we're at that process of telling them all about Father Christmas yeah. and also using Father Christmas as a parenting mm-hmm. technique as yeah. to, you know, if you're not good, I don't yeah. know. I mean, You'll you get you. Gonna but be, he won't get you. He's not going to get you. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> that, <laughs> what Father Christmas are you working with? I'm going for like the, 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 the Krampus style, aren't you? The evil, the evil Father Christmas. So, so the Father Christmas, Father Christmas round the household with my children is um, he's kind of a fire and brimstone kind of guy. He's like the Old Testament God. We're dealing, with, we're dealing with the Old Testament Father Christmas around my house. Well, that's a bit of a frightening thought. Yeah. So what do you, what's, did he bring gifts? Is that part of me? What is he? He's not bringing gifts. He's the carrot and the stick kind. He's the carrot and the stick. stick. Right, he's bringing the stick. He's like the good cop. We've got good Father Christmas, bad Father Christmas. If you're good, then the benevolent Christmas will come and he'll leave you gifts. If the bad Christmas comes, you might rock up with, um, you know, um, some some pool balls and a sock. This is... This is we're going off track already. This is it reminds me of the, when we used to podcast years ago. We'd always set off in one direction and end up somewhere completely yeah. different. I, I probably need to be very clear to our listeners. Um, my children will not be beat up on Christmas Day or any time. Um, this is a humorous uh, anecdote, just to be clear. I'm reassuring you and myself and my children. Who may no, you're making me them. feel better about what I'm doing with my kids and father because I'm not doing any of this. You know, all, all I'm saying is. The bad father Christmas can be used at times. It's a good cop, bad cop, you know. No, uh, yeah, okay. No, yeah. we've just, I mean, we're just educating them in the traditional sense. This is the about, traditional sense. This, this, is, this not, is the Old Testament that, father There Christmas. is not an Old Testament there father is, there Christmas. Is, there is about my house, Captain. <laughs> there is about my yeah, house. In your house and no one else's, yeah. okay, and not in my house. This is the kind of father Christmas. He don't come down the chimney, he kicks the door down. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's his, you know, he repels down the side of the house like a SWAT team. All I know is when when we do Christmas, my kids are not coming around your house and, and, and hearing these stories. No, no, but if if they're good, then the, the you know Father Christmas won't turn up and with, with the SWAT You've team. You've made this really complicated for your kids. Like literally, mine are just if you're good, you will get some chocolate. Mm-hmm. Maybe some presents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's it. It's tiered, really. Yeah. It's like entry level. This is tiered as well. It's just it, yeah, but it tears down as well as up. It's yeah, just exactly, meant to go up. Exactly. There's more of a spread. There isn't. There's more of a spread. Because if the worst thing that happens is the emission of a present, that's not really a punishment. It's 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 the absence of a reward. I don't know. You've gone off track here. Like, if you want to look at evil, like, bad Christmas, Scrooge, that's your story. That's your go-to thing about, you know, bad Christmas. Not bad Father Christmas. Not bad Father Christmas. He's not really bad. He's more like um, the retribution. Bad Father Christmas and he's retribution reindeer. You're you're confusing the story of Father Christmas with the film The Equalizer. Yeah, that's what what he's like. He's called The Christmasizer. Yeah. That's what he's like. (laughs) I think you've. I think you're creating a new genre of Christmas story here. My kids what kind of Christmas cards are there with Bad Father Christmas? <laughs> Can you go? Uh, yeah, Bad Father Christmas. Um, <laughs> his Christmas cards come like a bill. 
They come in a, in a brown envelope with a clear screen <laughs> and there's a red one inside and it basically says, um, this is your first notice of bad behaviour. If this continues, I'll pay you a visit. Otherwise, you can amend your ways now. If he does you a favour, do you have to owe him a favour? No, because like no, you show your um, deference to bad father Christmas by good behaviour. That's all he wants. He's essentially, he's... he's um, He's chaotic good. He's, he's bad father Christmas. He's chaotic good. Right, okay. So to go back to what we were talking about. <laughs> um, yes, I'm, 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 I'm going to take my child to a Christmas show. and uh, That's how you would have controlled her though. You know when she was knocking about, she was knocking about in the foyer. You would have said, hold the line. Um, I think I've got bad, oh no, oh no, it's bad father Christmas. He might come pay you a visit, and then she would have gone in and enjoyed the show. Into the room with Bad Father Christmas. <laughs> you think that was going <laughs> It's like a blacked out room <laughs> full, full of festive cheer. No. no. It, all I want, okay, so all I want is we go to this Christmas show, yeah. and we don't have this Bad Father Christmas thing that you've made up in try your it, Try it, try it, no, try it. No, try it. Just try it. Not, you've not work. sold it. Well, have a go. No. Yeah. Right, so we have Good Father Christmas, yeah, yeah. singing, dancing, yeah. and I just want my children to be happy, really, and have a lovely time. At some point in the future, I'll tell her Father Christmas doesn't exist and just, you know, undo it all. But, but why have you you've missed out the, old, the other Father Christmas, though, haven't you? You've already told the half the story. Which other Father Christmas? The bad Father Christmas. Well, that's, bad, bad. that's probably the wrong word. The way you've described it, bad is the perfect word. And I don't he's, not, he's like... Um, trauma, uh, he's had a traumatic childhood, Father Christmas. He's like Clarkson. He's like the Clarkson family Christmas. Father Christmas. Jeremy Clark. He's like Clarkson. He's like the Clarkson of Christmas. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah, no. I don't... I think you're on your Your Father own. Christmas is more James May. No, my Father Christmas is more Father Christmas. I just think you're missing out. Um, right. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll maybe catch up in the new year and we'll see how these different approaches to Father Christmas I have feel, worked. I feel like I should ask you about your Christmas plans, but I don't really. I mean, so, but what's the one thing? Okay, so Christmas, what's the one thing you're looking forward to? Um, I really, do, you know what, do you know what I love about Christmas? It's, um, it's coming together as a family. It's having that time off. It's having that time and being together. Um, yeah, I love it. I love that festivity. I love carol singing. I love Christmas movies. Like, I love Christmas movies. I love just sitting and feasting myself. I call it the Christmas bulk. I start bulking. I started bulking. I went to Berlin a few weeks ago, so I started my bulk in Berlin. Went to Berlin Christmas markets, and my kind of Christmas bulk started then. What, what do you mean Christmas bulk? Like, you know, by putting on weight for Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah, like a bulk. Like bulk. Like, if you're a bodybuilder, you talk about bulking, which is putting on mass. Yeah. I put on... A mass around Christmas. I call it the Christmas bulk. So oh, okay. I started when I was in Berlin at the Christmas markets full of glue vine, non-alcoholic, and chips and uh, sausage and festive cheer. So I like the Christmas bulk. I like just being able to be there, you know, in your, in your pyjamas, just chilling out, watching telly in front of the fire. Um, I, I, that's, that's what I like about Christmas. When I was younger, obviously, I used to like the presents, but now I prefer the presents. Rather than the presents. Do you actually care about... I mean, I, I, I honestly just don't care about presents now. As a grown-up, I don't know... I like giving them. Do you like getting them? Um, yes. Yes, I do. Do you like giving them to other adults, actually? Yeah, particularly. Like, I, 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 what I like is I, I start buying presents like in October, November. Um, 
But what I tend to get a lot of the time these days is presents that like mean rather than just what people want, like that mean a bit more like activities, events that we can do things. But yeah, I like it. I like it because it's for me it's um it's a way of like an act of service, like gift giving. It's like it's just everyone has different like love languages and different acts of service, but I enjoy it. It means a lot to me. I, I like that gift giving. Now I know everyone's different. You know, some people actually you know totally just check out of that and say, well, I'm not going to get you a present. You look at me a present. We've been doing that um, without saying it for ten years now, Matt. So <laughs> we're on that level. Um, well done. Um, but yeah, it does. I. I I enjoy festivities. I enjoy marking the passing of time. I enjoy doing those things. So whether it's Christmas, birthdays, you know, Easter, I I think we we should be celebrating. It's an everyone should, but for me, I think we should we should be celebrating those times because if if you don't find the joy and beauty in everyday life and times like that, then I think you maybe potentially miss out. I don't know. When I didn't have kids, not so much, but. Since having kids, I've rediscovered that festive spirit. Yeah, I, I, I like to give a gift that means something. And what, what I hate, though, is that I got you a gift because I had to get you a gift. No, gift. no, no, I don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I've kind of stopped doing. Um, mm. But it's hard, though, because also when your life's really hectic, it's hard to actually find the time to really think about what someone would like and go and find it. It can be difficult. Um, right. Let's finally move on from the talk of bad Christmas, bad father Christmas, and let's start talking about social work. Um, in this festive edition, my friends, we are going to be just having a bit of a reflection on what it's like to be a social worker at this time of year. You know, I mean, Matt's talked a bit about what it's like to be a parent and a person this time of year. Let's talk about, you know, being a social worker. Before we get into that, though, um, I just want to start by saying thank you ever so much to you guys for listening to us throughout the year. Um, we've had over 100,000 of you tune into our shows this year. Um, about 120,000 to be precise, actually. So thank you ever so much for all your listens, all your shares, all your likes, and the fact that you tune in um, week after week. Um, we got an average of about 2,000 listeners per show. So thank you ever so much for all your interest. And Merry Christmas to you all. Um, Matt. What's it like to be an adult social worker at this time of year and do your current job? You've spent, you know, your entirety, short period working with children, but aside from that, your entirety no. journey working with... Have you never worked with children? No, no. I, I, I've told you this before, but I got told not to work with children by children. <laughs> I went, yeah. I went Did you not have a placement with children? No. I've always done adults, and then I applied for a job um, working with children. They had children on the interview panel, and the feedback I, <laughs> yes, had, was, feedback yes. I had was maybe work with adults. And that was as close as I ever got. That was it. You went for an interview. Um, So tell me, obviously, I can only come from a children's perspective. Obviously, Christmas intrinsically tied into more or less all children's lives if they're celebrated. What's it like to be an adult social worker in this time of the year? And, you know, what's it like to do your current job at this time of the year, particularly, obviously, working with addiction? Yeah, so um, in addiction, it's really quite interesting in terms of um, the the extra pressures and difficulties people are going to go through at this yeah. time. So particularly with alcohol, it's everywhere. So you have a lot of people struggling with the amount of messages they get yeah, to drink. Yeah. Um, but also with drugs in general, there's a lot of change that people must go through. Their routines change, the support networks change. Yeah. A lot of people stay well by going to groups because groups don't always go on. So one of the problems with addiction services in general is that we, we generally work nine till five, Monday to Friday, but yeah. actually you're most likely to relapse on weekends and in the evenings when we're not at work. Yeah. 
Um, and over Christmas, that's doubly the case because obviously we're on leave and things like that. Yeah. So it's kind of an odd mix, really. You either you get your groups get more relaxed, people get more kind of festive, and people who are doing well tend to do even better because they really relax into it. Mm-hmm. And people who are struggling often struggle more. Yeah. So you you get you get you get polarized really with who you're trying to help and how you help them. Um, but it's a bit, yeah, it's, it's, you kind of also start to pull back a bit on your really intense kind of therapy work you do with people. You don't really want to push them through lots of hard things through Christmas. Yeah, and then leave them without. Yeah, so you start winding that back early December and you do more check-in work and you do more kind of relapse prevention work. You try and just look after people and keep them well and safe through Christmas to pick things up in the year. You know, you wouldn't want to be starting big heavy work if you don't have to. Is, is the job more challenging? Obviously, it's more challenging for those suffering, those that you support, but does the job become more challenging as a result of that? Or does, does the harder work tend to come January when you're picking up the pieces? It's the, I think addiction, I mean, anyone working addiction might not agree with me on this, but I yeah. actually find it's probably a bit easier over Christmas because it's not a crisis service as such. Yeah. So if people go into crisis, often we, we're making sure they're safe, but then signposting them on rather than having to do that work ourselves so i wouldn't say it, it, it's different but i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's hugely more challenging provided you you've you've done your hard work mm. already so you're really looking out and anticipating things if you've done that well so how long in advance do you start planning for the festive period then when does the kind of pre-work to manage this time start with clients I guess everyone's a bit different. I tend to work uh, six weeks in advance of myself, so sort of thinking about... So you'd have been doing this work from like mid-November onwards, really? Yeah, yeah, because you're... This is one of the really great things about working in addiction. It's why social work really... We need more social workers coming into addiction because they've got the great skill set for it. In general, adult services now, statutory services, where I worked for 10, 10 years or so, we would do assessment and then commission the care. Yeah do risk assessments, review it, do your safeguard and work. But you wouldn't really do the work yourself. You'd always be kind of moving the work on to other people. Yeah, yeah it's referring. Social workers, you very rarely do the work. You just yeah. case manage. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to actually do the work. So actually in addiction, you get to do that. So you'll do your assessment work. You'll plan out, actually, we want to do this piece of work. Yeah, and we yeah, want yeah. to try and achieve these goals. So yeah. your recovery plans will be generally for three-month periods. Yeah. Um, and you'll work through that. You know, you'll review it all the time but you'll be the one meeting someone. So you'll get to know them really, really well. And and that's the really different thing, I guess, like in, in, in this field and in this job, I know my clients so much better than I ever did in statutory services. Mm. So it moves you vulnerable as well to being more kind of uh, invested in them. And when they struggle, you kind of really feel it. I mean, you know... Because it's on you. Yeah, and the you, assessment and the intervention is on you. Yeah, it's 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 that, and you but you just really know them as a person. Yeah. So is that does, is that ever a risk or does that have a if you get become that embedded with your clients is that not a risk? Not where well, you need good supervision to yes. make sure that you you're, you're sticking to your boundaries. Yeah, 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 exactly. um, so that is a risk. And one of the problems that we we might have in addiction services is it's not necessarily it's not qualified role. In the no, same way the social work is, I happen to it be. It hasn't a got the work. same regulations around it then. No, and it's something that is going to change um, next uh, next year. There'll be some 
uh, person specifications coming out about telling us what a recovery worker should be, how they should work. But you still don't have a professional code of conduct, do you? You've got no... no. The, the grounds for keeping people within the remit is simply a disciplinary one. You don't have the same professional regulator like you do for social work. No. Um, so it's really down to the, the supervision element to make sure that you're working mm. correctly and you've got these boundaries in place. And then, like I say, over Christmas, it can be really... Um, interesting to share the journey that people are on and some people will be on a really good journey and they'll they'll be they'll have reconnected with family and friends this year while they've yeah, been yeah, you know yeah. getting better and this will be their first christmas sober something to look forward to yeah and you know you get to experience that working alongside them so it's really rewarding to see someone have that and reconnect like some people have lost touch with their children because of the addictions that they've struggled with and mm. now this is their first christmas with children yeah, yeah, yeah. so you get to see all that and that's really heartwarming but you also get the flip side which is some people will have a very difficult christmas similar in children's social work really because christmas is either something to work towards or something to fear mm-hmm. um when we're working in care proceedings quite often christmas is you know well, i'll try and get them home for christmas it's a really really big motivator on the flip side the idea of being separated from your children on Christmas because that's, that's everyone, something you work towards. You've got the memories. It's the kind of pinnacle everybody's walk, working towards that Christmas with the children. It can be difficult indeed. Um, Christmas in, in child protection social work, it doesn't really have the same kind of peaks and troughs that you're talking about because child protection social work, a significant portion of referrals come from schools. When schools are closed, you don't have the referrals coming through. So your front door, you know, your duty and assessment teams, you're not getting the same level of referrals through. That's not to say the problems aren't there. The problems simply aren't being picked up on. So you do have a little bit of leeway. As well, you have a bit more leeway because if you've got school-aged children, your, your visits to them have to be on the evenings, have to be late afternoon. You don't do that, so you can do them earlier in the day. You can see children at home with their families in a bit more of a natural environment. So you kind of buy yourself a bit of time that way. You kind of claw back time because you don't have, you know, usually your meetings aren't taking place. They've taken place a couple of weeks before. So because of that, the day-to-day element of social work, which almost takes you away from families, new referrals coming in, meetings, things like that, having to squeeze visits in and around school, you get a bit of slack. Now, that slack, however, can be taken up by real crisis periods. Basically, things don't go off as much that time of year, in my experience. When they do go off, they really go off because you're having to find a placement for a child on Christmas Eve. You're having to keep a family together when it's about to be a breakdown. And because it's Christmas, the anxiety, the emotions, the feelings around this are all ramped up. You know, I remember one experience. It was the first year I was a social worker, so it was 11 years ago now. Um, I remember one experience when we had a, a teenage boy who presented at the town hall as homeless on Christmas Eve morning. Um, he'd been out on the session with his friends, had a good drink the night before, come back, there'd been a kickoff with the parents. Now, this was one of those cases where, you know, they'd kind of called each other's bluff. The dad had said, oh, we'll go find a new home, then go and live somewhere else. He'd said that I will, and it escalated. They'd ramped each other up. He'd ended up presenting the town home. And that was very difficult to deal with on my first Christmas day. Luckily, through some mediation, we managed to get him back home. Other memories of Christmas that are more kind of common from a child protection perspective, 
delivering food parcels, delivering Christmas hampers, delivering toys. Um, quite often they'll go above and beyond and you'll supervise contacts. So generally speaking in, in child protection social work, those guys who work in this field, they'll know you supervise contact tends to be done by the contact service. You have a contact team, they've got specific contact workers. A lot of the time they'll shut down over Christmas and they'll stop. So if you want a parent to see their children that are in care or living with a connected family member or in residential care around Christmas, you can step up and do it yourself and I'm not going to say I like that because obviously you don't like to be in those situations, but Christmas as a child protection social worker, I think it's perhaps the one time of year where you can see a tangible difference in your efforts the most. Because like you were saying there about the difference between adults and children and the difference between your old work and adults and what you're doing now, you actually get to do the work. At Christmas, you can see, right, I'm going to give up two hours of my time. I'm going to supervise this contact. This child gets to see their parents on Christmas Eve. I'm going to go out and I'm going to make the effort. I'm going to work a bit a little bit later. I'm going to deliver food parcels. That family's going to have food on Christmas Day. I'm going to deliver toy packages that have been donated by a local charity drive. I'm going to, you know, make the effort to get that teenager that I was talking about, you know, over a decade ago back with the family. It's almost like you get the opportunity to spread a little bit of Christmas cheer, do Christmas miracles. I think it is a magical time to be a social worker, I really do. It's strange, isn't it? Because you go into social work thinking it's going to feel like that all the time, exactly. don't you? Exactly. <laughs> That's what you think you're going to do. Bingo. Yeah. 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 And then you get that. And and I guess that if we could change the profession in any yes. way, it would be like, I'd like to feel like that more often. I would like that feeling of... I did something and it made some difference yeah, to yeah, someone yeah, and yeah, I can yeah, see yeah, that. Good point. Do you know what I mean? And it, it is, you're right, like Christmas, you do those things and you can mm. see it and feel it. It's just that, you know, yeah. Do you think it's a bit strange though? Like I used to find this tricky, particularly when I worked in, uh, say, safeguarding teams and adult mm. services. The contrast around Christmas between the festivities and the happiness and the jingles on the radio and the boxes of chocolates in the office and everyone's feeling in a festive mood, but then you're still dealing with potentially life you know threatening crises and problems and it's just i found it really hard like straddling it's jarring that. isn't it yeah, yeah yeah the office atmosphere compared to the work but look there's two ways of looking at that one is that a contrast can jar you know if you step out of the sunlight and into the dark you miss the sun the other way is that's a reprieve from it if you've got a safe haven in the office where everybody's jolly and everybody's happy you've potentially got a safe haven from it but um I always look at the positive, so I would say it's a safe haven, it's positive. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about a few jollier things. Let's, uh, you know, let's uh, move it to a bit of a Christmas festive feel. Um, Matt, one question, but with two elements to it. What's your favourite Christmas movie and what lessons do you think can be taken from it for social work? Shoot. Okay, well, I, I answered this question about a year ago in the in the. Well, We're doing it again. Well, no, you haven't done it on the podcast. Are no, you going I, to change your answer? No, I'm not, because I did think when I thought, okay, I'll have a look at what I said last time mm-hmm. and have I got a different answer, and I haven't, because it was the Muppets Christmas Carol last time. And it, the Muppets Christmas Carol, rather than just Christmas Carol, because the Muppets always bring a bit of fun, really, to, to the film. So I really enjoyed just watching that. It's quite nostalgic for me, because it's from when I was growing up, I used to watch it then. But in terms of social work elements to it, there are there, like Tiny Tim survives and manages well because he gets the right support, you know? I think that's a pretty social work kind of message to it. But I guess the big thing is about um, the idea of wealth and, you know, Scrooge has all the money and he doesn't give any of it away and he's very much sort of seen as a bad guy for doing that. And I think that's quite, um, 
it's quite interesting. That's a healthy way to look at screws. That's a healthy way to look at people who have loads of money and don't give any of it away and, and basically screw it away. Um, and, you know, I think maybe we don't always see that in mainstream society. Like, we actually glamorise people lots of money. You know, I yeah, follow, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like you know, <laughs> oddly enough, I was thinking about this and thought, I follow these YouTube channels of people with supercars and they're forever buying more supercars. <laughs> never happy, never and, happy. But they're always buying more and more and the audience is always, the comment section is always, oh, great, excellent, you've bought another one. I love the fact you've bought another one. It's amazing. And you just think, uh, how many people in the comment section actually have any money? Like there's one at the moment, I'm going to go slightly off topic, yeah. but there's a guy I'm following, he's just saved up enough money. We sold one Ferrari to buy another one worth like a quarter million pounds and the comments in the section was literally like, we're so pleased for you. <laughs> Wow. We'll do anything we wow. can to help you, to make sure you can do this. You you deserve to get this car because you've done so well on your YouTube channel for 10 years. And I thought, fine, okay, people are living vicariously through yeah, that. But, but some part of it is like, you don't need any more supercars. Surely, surely you could donate something or give a supercar away. To, so like, just do something other than buy more supercars. And I liken Scrooge that actually no one does that. No one goes, oh, Scrooge, it's brilliant that you're keeping all your money to yourself. Yeah, you, you know, it's all, you know, so it's that story of redemption of actually when he starts giving it away and he starts taking care of people, people really kind of um, embrace him and he becomes part of the community. I like that. Um, I like, um, yeah, I like that kind of redistribution, that kind of equality. Um, but most of all, you know, um, I like the Muppets. <laughs> so, I, can't, I can't put that in a social work context it makes me laugh it makes me chuckle so yeah I enjoy um, I can't think of a better answer because I don't I'm not massively into the only, the only other Christmas film I could think was Die Hard and I can't think of a social work context for Die Hard Christmas Carol is in The Muppets Christmas Carol is in um, I will have to go Home Alone as a child protection social worker I love Home Alone it's one of my favourite Christmas movies anyway um, I would have to go home alone simply because it's the glaring failures from a child protection perspective. Firstly, you've got real massive issues with that family, the dynamic between, you know, um, Kevin and, and, and Buzz. You've got a very strange family dynamic. Buzz, Buzz is the boy Buzz one. is the older brother. The yeah, 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 yeah. You've got a very strange dynamic there that isn't sorted. You've got a strange family dynamic with like the uncle who's kind of weird and criticizes Kevin in front of anybody. The fact that Kevin's left behind, the fact they get all the way, you know, on the air, on the plane and they're away down to, you know, Florida and they've left him. Um, I think you have major, major, no, it's Paris. The first one's Paris. The second one's Florida. Um, the fact that you, the, the, the police come out and don't do the visit correctly. The fact that he's just given up, you know, the fact that he's left to fend for himself. It is a glaring insight into the massive difficulties that you face when multi-agency child protection proceedings aren't followed. Now, fair enough, this film's set in the early 90s. It's set in 1990. So you could maybe say that things have changed since then. But still, you know, you've got a, an eight-year-old child who's left home alone and he's left to fend for himself against the wet bandits. The Wet Bandits. The Wet Bandits. Is that the actual name? Of that's the name of the, you know... Oh, okay. That's the name of the burglars. In the, in the second film, it's the Sticky Bandits, but in the first one, it's the Wet Bandits. Yeah, but the lesson from Home Alone, I don't know. It seems to be... Actually, it's quite fun to be left home alone if you're eight. It, it didn't... It seemed to... Is it fun? He's almost murdered. I mean, he's got two burglars trying to kill him. Well, there was that downside to it, yes. But he also... Sad. 
But okay, fair enough. Just a slight downside. But he was sledging down the stairs, wasn't he, in one of these things? And he was... What else did he do? He got up to all sorts of fun. He went shopping by himself. He learned independence. He did... Um, what else? He, and he, learns he to brush put, his teeth. He what, sorry? He learns to brush his teeth. And he, you know, he brushes his teeth by himself, puts on the old... The aftershave. Um, the aftershave. Yeah. I think, you know... He, his diet isn't very good, though. He ends up just eating sugary junk. Again. And watching if, Angels with Dirty Faces. He ends up watching horror film. Well, if you're... You're a filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's... Um, yeah, as a social film, or as a message, as a public health message, it sort of suggests... It's quite fun to leave your kids at home, and they're going to be all right. Character yeah. building. He, he, well, yeah. He, and uh, he manages. He manages well. And he does bring two criminals to justice. Not only does he feed, clothe himself, manage all the housework, he also defends the property from two burglars. And he changes the neighbour's view of old man Marley. Yes. Old Man Marley, who they all think murdered his family, actually been, he reconnects Old Man Marley with his family he as well. Actually is, Kevin is the social worker. So actually the message from that is he should be left alone at home because the world's better. Like if he hadn't been, none of that would have happened. We don't want to go down this route. You're correct, but we don't want to go down that okay. route. Right, we're going, to end on, <laughs> we're going to end on this. So it's a very good point. It's a very good point. We're going to end on this one. Um, what's on your Christmas social work list this year? We wrote an article about this last year, but, you know, it's yeah. uh, a week till Christmas. What is on, what are you hoping to find in your social work stocking come Monday? Right. Okay. I've got two answers. What are you hoping, what two things are you hoping to find in your one's, social one's work stocking? One's big. One's big. One's big stocking. Shoot. First one. Yeah. World peace. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I just thought... This I'm, isn't Miss Universe. No, but it's been such a difficult year for conflicts and tragedies. Yeah, yeah. And things have happened and you thought, I can't believe, like, I just can't connect on any level with this. I can't understand how this is happening. Yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, so, yeah. I would, I would like somehow, for, as a species, for us to sit down and just agree we're not going to do that. What's your big one? What's your little one? Uh, I want to get rid of Microsoft Teams. <laughs> Look, what are you going to replace it with? Well, no, it's not actually Microsoft Teams. I have to use it a lot in my job. I do training, so I, I use yeah. it a lot for training. It's not that I hate it. It's the fact it won't go away. So whenever you turn on your computer, it just starts when I'm doing something else. And the other thing is it never starts on time. So it always arrives 10 seconds too late. So it's always waiting for me to get on with something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it never leaves for work early enough. It just... <laughs> it just <laughs> Every day, right, it just does this thing. And I'm like, go away. Just, And then I find myself waiting to get rid of it before it fires up, but then it doesn't. And then it wait. I think it waits until I'm halfway through something and then stops. So if I can't have world peace, I would like Microsoft to sort out that. Just, just get it to start when I start. I'm not sure which is more realistic. <laughs> yes, well... That's the fair point. Yeah. So yeah, I would take. I would take. We'll go for both then. I, you could have bad Santa will try and give you both. No, I don't want bad Santa to do anything for me because I think it feels like I'll owe him afterwards. I don't know what the other part of this will be. What? I've come for pay. It's bad. Oh no, bad Santa's at the door. Exactly. He's come for his pain. <laughs> He's come for his pound of flesh. Exactly. I don't even know what bad Santa would be asking for, but I wouldn't want to know. So. Yeah. What about yourself? What's on your social work wishes? Um, yeah, I'm going to go for a more realistic one. Um, maybe Bad Santa might be able to grant this. Um, I want professional unity. I am 
sick and tired of the infighting between social workers, between different factions of our profession. We disagree over the 1% where we differ and fail to agree and come together over the 99%. There are you know, different departments fighting amongst each other, you know, different academics fighting against each other, academics fighting against social workers, frontline social workers fighting against managers, policy makers. Everyone's saying they hate the government. Everybody's saying they hate the chief social Well, People like the adult chief social worker, not so much the children's chief social worker. It's just... There's just so much wasted time and effort and dialogue spent social workers arguing amongst one another over whose idea is right rather than actually doing something. No wonder we don't have collective action. No wonder we don't have a unified voice when we spend so much time arguing against one another, petty criticisms of one another over choice of language, what models we ascribe to, who we believe is right, what funding we should go for. It just, we don't really have a unified professional voice. We don't really have a leader. We don't really have like a social work hero we could unite behind. Nothing really galvanizes us in social work and ties us together. We're a very fractured and splintered profession. And I think that Christmas is a time of year when we can put those differences aside, come together, all agree where we should be going, all agree with the 99% of things that bind us together and start actually trying to make a collective difference for a better profession for us all and most importantly for the people we support. Do you, do you think that's also, I mean, part of this is because we're aware what people think because of social media, because that's where yeah. people voice things. But social media by its nature is quite divisive, isn't it? It does, mm -hmm. it does kind of set people up into conflict. So do you think that's a fair representation of the profession? Or is it just the people who end up I think it is. I, I think it is. I think it's a fair representation of the profession because we've got 100,000 social workers, but only 20,000 are members of BAS. We've only got one in five social workers who's a member of the British Association of Social Workers. We have a profession that doesn't have strong leadership. We have a profession that doesn't have a strong image. If you compare the social work profession to the collective action taken by doctors and nurses and teachers and so on, we don't have that. So I think, yes, social media does amplify things, but you can find many, many reasons beyond social media which show that up. I mean, look, even basic things like uh, we couldn't get the innovation clause through. We This was years ago, but more recently, um, it was proposed that social workers would join the Emergency Services Act, where essentially people who assaulted emergency service workers can be subject to more harsh punishment than social workers. We were arguing amongst our profession about whether we should have that or not. Some people bizarrely arguing, well, actually, it's better for our clients if they don't get punished for attacks on social workers. We should actually, you know, let them not be punished further, arguing that somehow protecting social workers was dividing us from the people we support. So I think it goes far. Yes, look, you'll always get people on social media who just want to add a bit of spice to their own boring lives by having to go at people. That's the way it is in anything. You know, I follow a lot of football and boxing accounts on my personal Twitter, and that happens all the time on there. But we we see this beyond social media. Yes, we see it amplified on social media, and that's the tip of the iceberg. But I think we see it beyond. I just think our profession's capable of so much, and. If we came together, we could do a lot more. So that's what I think we should have this year. Um, we're going to end on this note, Matt. A quick message to the profession. So, you know, pass your Christmas wishes on to our listeners and our readership. 
You've really built that up as if I had something I would... Yeah, I mean, well, it's oh, a closing speech. It's your closing... It's, imagine you've got an award at the Oscars. This is your speech. I haven't prepared. It's time to shine. I all I can say is Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a lovely time. I mean, I can't... Well, say it again. Say it again, but say it in earnest. Actually, I say it like you say it. Yeah. Like when you introduce the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Don't take the mic. I'm making not... it bad now. No, I think... I do hope everyone has a really nice a festive period and... Um, it will be in the magazine, I'm, I'm sure, by the time this is aired. Um, I've written a piece in there about being able to switch off at Christmas. So that I, the, the idea that it's not just about work, it's also about reconnecting with your personal life, with the people that you want to spend time with, and giving yourself that, that kind of freedom to enjoy that guilt-free, because that's part of being alive as well, is having that time with people rather than just what you can do as a job. So I really hope people take that opportunity and enjoy it. Well said, my friend. And I would just echo that by saying, you know, Merry Christmas to one and all. Thank you ever so much for all your views, likes, subscriptions, shares, and listens over the course of this past year. It's been a wonderful one in terms of the magazine, in terms of the podcast, as Matt said earlier. It's been a difficult one in terms of the world, but the fact that we're here and you support us in terms of what we're doing to shine a light onto social work issues on a macro and a micro level is really important. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. I hope you get time to switch off and spend it with your friends and family. And I hope you take a well-deserved rest. You've worked very hard this year. The things that all you guys do for your clients and those you support, uh, you're doing heroic deeds every day, many of which go unheralded and unheard of. So do take some time off for yourself. You deserve it. Spend it with your loved ones. Spend it doing whatever you want. And we'll catch you in the new year. Until then, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me.